most of my home running cars are 70s TV. Speaking of which, I've got another one. I've done another one. I've Go done on the Saints Jaguar. You are listening to Talking Utter Slot, the podcast about having fun with toy cars. I'm Scott. And I'm Nick. Hello, Nick. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Uh, yeah, slightly <laughs> dazed and confused by the looks of things. Dazed and confused, uh, that's all right. I, I surprised myself, possibly. <laughs> well, that's your, that's what, this is, young folk, this is what happens when you get slightly older. Although <laughs> Nick's young, younger than me, so it's going to get worse. Um, um, so we haven't done we one for done a couple of weeks, so on one hand, we've got lots to catch up on. But on the other hand, we'll probably have forgotten most of what it was anyway. But one thing one I think thing. we both did at the interview period was we went to Gaydon to the winter, the UK winter slot market. I keep wanting to call yes. it a festival slot market. Although we were kind of ships that passed in the night. I was there early, you were there late, and I saw you in the way, the way in and out. Um, what did you get? I got a slotted Jaguar XJR9 body. Um which had been slashed in price from 20 poons to 10. Um, so that's, uh, I wanted to make an XJR8 out of it, which is quite easy to do because it's the same car um, to all intents and purposes. So rear wing, but the scale electric rear wing is the correct one. So I shall use the scale electric rear wing. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, I've got some nice decals from uh, decal.com in Deutschland. Okay. And, um, decal, so, decal de- what's that? One? I always get that one. Decal, it sounds like a tongue. Decaldeck.com. Is that it's dot .de? <laughs> Decaldoc. It's not Decal a dot de- de- No, no. Do- uh, they are global. They've missed, they've missed a trick there. They should have <laughs> decaldoc.de. Apologies for murdering your website address. <laughs> Absolutely no traffic will ensue from this conversation. Um, but... <laughs> But um, which so is it going to be a silk cut or a Castro? And that's really the only silk option, cut. is it? Silk cut. Yeah, okay. it's the it's the eighty seven Le Mans car. Which I, if I was making a film about Le Mans, I'd probably go for eighty seven, possibly eighty eight, but probably eighty seven is more. Exciting. Why? Can you explain to explain to our Just listeners the, why the uh, Jaguar Porsche rivalry, which um, was really at its peak. It was the last race. Um, because Porsche withdrew from the World Sports Car Championship after Le Mans. So they, they went and did Norris Ring as a sort of a farewell thing. And then, like status quo, the Porsche 962 <laughs> kept doing farewell tours forever and ever and ever. Or Frank Sinatra, yeah. And won Le Mans again in 1994. But, um, yeah, 90, uh, so 1987 was the last year of the works Porsche Group C cars. And so it was a big old fight. Um, and there was one stage where both the team principals were called to the steward's office and told that their drivers should stop trying to slaughter each other on track, which was quite amusing. And they both sort of went together and sort of said, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir, and then sort of were wandering off down the pit lane, sort of banging into each other. And, I mean, yeah, so all that sort of stuff. Um, if I was going to dramatise a Le Mans, I would probably go for 87, although 88 was equally belted. And, of course, we now have two motorsport movies on the way because we've got uh, exactly. Road to Glory. 
um, <laughs> the story of the 1983 World Rally Championship yeah. season. An unexpected uh, audiovisual treat. I didn't know that. Well, not that I should no, have known. No, I had no idea it was coming. Um, no. I quite like the fact it's so. It's done by the people who produced Rush. So, I mean, Rush was fairly fast and loose with the truth, but it had Nicky Lauder as a as a advisor, so it had mm-hmm. that ring of authenticity to it. Um, the, totally ignored the fact that James Hunt and Nicky Lauder shared a flat together when they were in Formula Three and uh, were carousing let, together. Don't, don't um, let facts get in the way of a good drama. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm sure that the same thing is being done again. Um, and obviously, Group B era rallying is is ripe for such treatment. So we shall await it with bated breath. And Daniel Brühl, who has two career options in life, it seems: motorsport and Nazis. Yeah, I'm, well, maybe. I mean, he could be the Warwick Davis of motorsport movies, couldn't he? Because Warwick <laughs> Davis appears in every fantasy film. Um, <laughs> Daniel Brill <laughs> could be, you know, if you're making anything with it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I, I imagine, in fact, I recently watched a review video of the actual rallies uh, on yeah. YouTube, and it's very entertaining. Um, the action sequences in this movie are going to be interesting, I'm going to say. I mean, clearly there are limitations to what they can do in reality, and I suspect there are budgetary limitations to what they can do in CGI, which is probably just as well, because it would end up like Transformers, one of the cars doing impossible things. But uh, Well, I mean, apparently, because I put a thing on Facebook about it saying, oh, I'm quite optimistic about this. I don't know why. Um, and one of the people who piped up was Damien Smith, he of Motorsport magazine, and he mm-hmm. actually was on set for part of the filming. Mm-hmm. And he said that one of the things that they're determined to do is as much live filming of cars, so as minimal CGI with the cars. And you can see that, yeah, that is definitely Anne Quattro on Anne Dusty Road with people standing much too close to it, um, which they managed to film. So that's cool. Um, yeah, it, there's obviously it, a, I, they've gone for the wrong angle in that Lancia is the underdog. Well, really, um, <laughs> Lancia with multiple world championships from the very beginning of the series foundation, and Audi, who would sort of turned up very arrogant and with technology they thought was more important than anything else, um, and then failed dismally for the first year and a bit. Um, so yeah, that's slightly, but you know, I'm looking forward to seeing many, many well, bags of table salt being laid on the road from Monte Carlo. You've, 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 uh, basically you've outlined what I think is the interesting thing about this. It, to me, and I think to most of us, if I look at a lot of car fans, it's the cars are the star of all that story. It's the 037, it's the Quattro. Um, the, the driver's personalities, unlike with Rush where you had Loud and Hunt, the, the 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 drivers as human beings are very slight figures really. I mean I don't I'm sort of aware of them, but I wouldn't imagine they're even approaching household names. And what I know of them all is they're kind of a homogenous, they're slightly mad rally drivers. You know, Rawl is very tall, I know that. Uh Michelle's a woman, I know that. Um 
you know, Marku is a strange Italian Finn. So, uh, but to tell the story, <laughs> to tell the story, uh, usually you need the human beings, don't you? No matter how much the machinery well, is through the thing. Walter is quite a Wagnerian character to me. <laughs> Suddenly, I pictured him with a Viking hat and basically, uh, yeah, and because... singing. Very, very... <laughs> Because <laughs> in 1980, of... when Audi was setting up, and they obviously Roll was born sort of a stone's throw from the factory, and he was on his way to the world championship with Fiat, and he was the man, and they wanted him to be the lead driver, um, or the exciting driver, because they've got Hanu doing all the testing, and Hanu was a solid pair of hands, but they wanted a megastar. And... Um, so they invited him to the factory. They showed him the test car. They sort of talked him through it all, not knowing that um, Walter was also talking to Mercedes at the time, who was also offering him. In fact, they offered him a four-wheel drive mid-engine car. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, so you're, you're a fantastic drive. mine of great information. There's and a slot car. If Gareth was yeah. still making slot cars, we, would have, we want a mid-engined Mercedes <laughs> <laughs> Group 4 rally car. Um, so so t- as early as me... 1980, Mercedes was thinking that far ahead. Okay. So he signed with Mercedes. And then Audi, and then all the German media went, hold on, our best dri- our world champion driver is signed for Mercedes rather than Audi. So Audi got quite snotty about it in the press and basically said, it's our technology that's going to win and it doesn't matter which driver it is and, and you know, Roll can't be trusted. So he then sort of went on this massive mission to beat Audi into the ground with the worst possible cars that he could find. So obviously <laughs> he, he did it with the Ascona, which was like taking, you know, something he just hammered on an anvil against a lightsaber. Um, and, uh, and then he sort of went with the, 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 the Lancia route until in 84 he then finally joined Audi because somebody who paid the bills at Audi went, why are we spending all this money to try and beat Walter Roll and fail? Yes, it's just and then I mean the the fairy tale story of course is he won so the first rally with the Quattro was Monte Carlo yes. and he beat he won it, didn't he? So and he'd won the previous years. So it, it, I don't suppose that there's that's a great like, story about that too, because there was such intense rivalry between Royal personally and the Audi yeah. team. Um, so he was number one because he'd won the rally for the previous God knows how many editions. So he would go in and uh, he would look at what tyres um, Blomqvist and Mikula were putting on their cars, put the same on as them and go out. And then after he'd gone, they'd put their proper tyres on. <laughs> <laughs> Mechanics were all in on it, you know. Uh-huh. And he was losing like 15 seconds a stage. And he was like, I don't understand this. I'm not completely up, up to speed on four-wheel drive, but I shouldn't be losing that much. And eventually a photographer tipped him off. He said, you're on different tyres to the others. So that was when he threatened the team manager that he would just stop the car and push it down the ravine unless they stopped messing him about. Fantastic. And I see, I didn't know any of that. Um, um, great stuff, great stuff. Um, um, but this film isn't going to cover that, is it? <laughs> having, having now outlined no. this great story. <laughs> <laughs> no. So you get the pre- <laughs> this, this is the prequel. This is the prequel, yeah. So there's, if it's a hit, if it's an unlikely hit... <laughs> um, but there's a great story for uh, Road to or is it Road to Glory? Is it Road to Glory? Road to Glory, and then we've got Ferrari. 
Which is I a mean, better title, let's say, on the title just on titles alone, it's doing better. <laughs> with, with would, do you think they discussed well, do you think they discussed still sticking with the rally film? Do you think they discussed Lancia versus Audi and thought that was too the Americans just wouldn't get that, would they? Well it's there as the subtitle, isn't it? It's, so maybe it's, it's maybe Glory Lancia versus yeah. Audi, so yeah, well, it's something yeah, changed. But Ferrari is fairly I, definitive, isn't it? Um, well that's yeah. Gallup uh, Piero yeah. Lardi was involved in, in the making of it. Always his, his history written by the winners, as they were. Yeah, quite. <laughs> um, yeah, Patrick Dempsey, Dr. McDreamy, is playing Piero Taruffi. Uh-huh. And um, the man who was um, in Star Wars, tall, thin, <laughs> big nose, plays Enzo Ferrari. I was going to say the number of aliens in Star Wars who have got a fairly large sort of. Yeah. Is, um, not uh, who was the yeah anyway. Uh, I think Adam Driver is that his name? That's him. He, yeah. He, thing, he really. He, he really. Yeah. So I mean, Driver playing a Ferrari is not too bad. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's going to be. I mean, I'm predicting, and it's isn't it directed by somebody proper like Michael Mann or something? It is Michael Mann film. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, this could be, this could be a this could be a good film that happens to be about motor racing. It's it, I, well, I would rather watch either of them than Oit Tanak the movie, in which we discovered <laughs> that Oit likes coffee. That was the insight we got into Oit Tanak. Have you just made up Oit Tanak the movie? Because <laughs> no, no. <laughs> How short somebody, is it? How somebody short? managed to convince. Oit Tanner and Oliver Solberg that they should have movies. And so there is Oliver Solberg, the movie, which came out in 2019 when he was basically a fetus. I was going to say, he's about four. I, I Hats off to me. He was driving that Escort very quickly until he crashed uh, and, yes. didn't, and didn't win uh, the Roger Albert Clark rally. But ever since the Roger Albert Clark rally has finished, my social feeds are just full of... Oliver Solberg in an escort going sideways. <laughs> and I have to tell you, that is like a version therapy. My, I'm really now very sick of uh, that, that escort going sideways. So if you're listening, those in charge of Oliver Solberg's social media, stop! <laughs> it's not it's like, like he even awards. won. I've <laughs> had so many random award winners popping up on my social media. It's like, third place in some other cup or other. And it's like, okay, okay, well done, well done. Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, we, done so <laughs> we can do. I mean, I'm, I'm, well, is it going to be a whole Fly collection? Because Fly do cars from the movies, so they can do the yes. L37 and the Audi. I shoot. Um, there's got to be a box set from that, surely. Uh, they must be able to do a Ferrari somewhere along the line. So I'm sure if Rafa's got you know any sense at all, he'll be preparing to announce next year's. Uh, if Rafa's got any sense at all, he's busy doing the Gwyndaf Evans livery on his new um, Sierra Four Before. And Thomas Erdy's purple one, the fastest historic rally car in Europe. Is it? You you may be biased in those selections. It must be pointed out. Well, Gwyneth's <laughs> a lovely fellow. Yeah, but that's not necessarily you know. Buy this car. It's a lo- he's a lovely fellow. It's kind of not really. You know. <laughs> when was the last time a Gwyneth car was ever released by a manufacturer? I've got one. It's electric one. Ah, Mitsubishi with electric. Blazing down the side. See, so, that's got to be uh, twenty years ago. Gwyndaf deserves another roll of the dice, I think. Well, I don't, well, Elfin hasn't even got a car released, has he? So, 
I don't think no, it was even a... I am so, doing the 2020 car as Elfin. Okay. I'm so conscious of that, but we're going to go down another rallying hole. And sort of, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk some about something the, else. Yeah. Some of the Canadian, American, Australian, and non British and <laughs> Scandinavian listeners are probably fed up with this talking about rally cars, especially obscure Welsh rally drivers, uh, sadly, but there you go. Um, talk about something. So, in terms of what you got at, what I got at Gaiden, yeah, was a number of things, but I picked up and it's still rallying, sorry, but the new SCX. Uh, well, this is new, interesting. It's a new livery on an old body, oldish body, so the toe tip uh, delta. But because it's a new SCX, it's got independent front wheels, i.e., it's two wheel drive, it's not four wheel drive, uh, as is the norm now. And um, so there's also a new chassis for an old body. Uh, which I think they've done previously on the f- uh, Escort Cosworth. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that stub axles, when I see them before on fly cars, they tend to be a bit floppy. Mm-hmm. I don't mind, but I know people get these are very stiff. I mean, there's no there's no play in the the front axle as such, although they are is independent. The guide still trying to do its job while seated on a very angled base. It's it's on quite a strong spring. Um, right. So I don't know if that's showing up on the camera. So, oh yeah, oh, and it is. Yeah, it's sitting there like a yeah. little mountain goat on the side of a slope. Look, <laughs> but it's. Uh, but yeah, it, anyway, it goes very nicely, which is good. So that was the that was kind of pre-ordered, and it was there. And then I bought a couple of what I thought were bargains. Uh, they may may or not been, but I thought was happy. But the crucial thing that happened was I bumped into Raw Bushel or Swift Slots. If you want to go and look up his YouTube channel which you should, because it's very therapeutic to watch a man working a lathe, uh, which he frequently does. And um, um, regular listeners may remember that my uh, team slot, uh, Lancia Stratos, the checkered flag one, uh, would would seem to have unique wheels uh, in the sense that they're not the same pattern as all the other Stratos. And a front wheel hub split and searched for replacements. They do not exist. They don't make them. Uh, so Rob very kindly said, oh, well, I'll fix that for you. So I handed over the bits, and it was bits. It was you know, wheel, axle, bits of plastic. And it must have been practically that night, because the video was up the next day. He uh, machined little metal collars. Now, I'm trying to just, if you can just, I don't know whether the camera will pick that up or not, but there's little shiny bits under there, which are, I'll put it in front of my face. It might focus on the car. Anyway, I'll put pictures up little metal sleeves on each hub and filled it with glue and drilled it out. And both sides are now the same, even though one hadn't broken, so it's likely to, so we preparation for it. I posted them back to me and I fitted it in the car, so it's all back to its its absolute glorious loveliness. What I think I've realised, watching lots of old rally videos, is that the real car in the actual rally, in this livery, didn't have those wheels. <laughs> so, but... They look lovely. So, um, so Rob, thank you very much. You are a gentleman. Uh, and I'll put a link in the description, but uh, Swift Slots on YouTube. And it's definitely worth watching uh, his any of his films because he does the most amazing sort of conversions of die casts and things. Uh, and it's this wonderful way he says, well, I'll just, we'll just go and make that wheel bearing or we'll just go and make this and then makes <laughs> delicate little things I have, out I've, of bits I've of brass. I've watched a few of his vids now. Because obviously we met at um, Avagaveni, and I, I'm sort of not really very au fait with podcasts oh. and YouTube channels and stuff. So I, I haven't watched much, but I have watched some of Rob's, and they are 
they are very engaging. So yeah, cross pollinating podcasts. He's a real he's a real craftsman, that's for sure. So that was yeah. so Gaden, that was so yeah, Gaden was it was a good um that's there was lots money of stuff in. I wanted. I wanted the, that somebody's got one thirty second scale route master buses. In plastic or metal? They were tin. Yeah. Tin. I, I've mm. been looking for one thirty second scale route master buses as scenery. Failing miserably. There's one twenty four scale kit and there's all the old Corgi one fifty odd something, but yeah. no. This uh, this was pucker two sized but um yeah one was 45 pounds and one was 60 pounds and i just don't have that sort of money and what were you going to do were you going to slotize it was this going to be a new, this a new, new class new. for the club that really <laughs> would be a discussion at the agm no, it's sort of one, one of the things i'm idly and as cheaply as possible sort of gathering in the corner of the um cupboard is stuff to go on my home track as and when i have a home track it is scenic and it will be sort of 70s TV themed because most of my home running cars are 70s TV themed. Speaking of which, I've got another one. I've done another one. I've Go done on the Saints Jaguar. I've only got and done the Saints Jaguar. Go on, um, got it to, is it easily to hand? It is, I'll, to... I'll go and get it. I'll go and get easily it. To hand. Then you can describe the process by which you achieved this. I'm surprised that oh, I guess I was about to say I'm surprised Skeletrics aren't doing it, but I guess it's a licensing issue. I don't know how famous so, the scene. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, so Skeletrics did in 2021 a limited edition um, version of the Jaguar XJS in uh, Coventry City of Culture 2021 delivery, uh, which is blue and black and white, with the sort of original early XJS wheels on it. Which I don't know if they were on the police car or not. I think they must have been because they're not on the I think they are, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought, I, I sort of saw that and thought, ah, well, I, I, I don't really remember watching The Saint very much as a kid. I recognised the theme tune, but it wasn't a programme that sort of stuck in the mind. Um, I remember my dad keep banging on about it being rubbish. But <laughs> I had the Corgi version and I loved that car. It was just clean and white and pretty. So, um, yeah, I've always wanted to do Since the XJS came out, I've always sort of gone, hmm, yeah, I could do a Saint one of those. And with this, this car, with the, the wheels and stuff, I thought, oh, it's got to be done. And then just before Gaten, Pendle had a sale, and it was on a less than half price. Uh, it was yeah, because they were. I've seen them sold RRP at sixty pounds as a limited edition. And, um, Good luck with that. Yeah, because it's yeah. not. I've let, I mean, this is a personal opinion, and you know, everything's in the eye of the beholder. But it's not a very nice livery. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't no. look good, does it? Anyway. No, it's a real pig to get off as well as all scale liveries are these days. So, how did you did you rub it? Did you rub it down, or did you? What did you? I left it overnight it in mess. Ooh, dangerous. Overnight in mess was... No, no, that's okay. Mess doesn't do too much. Overnight in um, uh, nail varnish remover would melt it, and overnight in brake fluid, whatever, would, would melt it. But no, um, mess is okay. So it, it with a lot of scraping and muck under my fingernails and then a final go-over with um, nail varnish remover on a cotton wool pad, it was clean enough to primer and paint. 
Um, now, there were a few things that were odd about it. The um, radio aerial in the middle of the roof from the race car, I'm assuming, and the enormous chunky um, windscreen wipers. So windscreen wipers have gone, and I've put the aerial in its correct position, for the Saints car anyway, which is on the rear quarter. On the rear, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is the Saint car. Now, I haven't printed off the, the decals yet. I've found the GB rear logo and the ST1 number plates. But I did check with Simon first before I committed to doing this. I said, are you going to release the, the Saints Jag? He's like, why would we do that? So, um... <laughs> Well, no, every, everybody's going to want one now that they see that. You see, it's going to be. And this, yeah. I, of course, I'm going, to, I'm going to test my editing skills because when you announce it, I'm going to have to kind of pause the image and have the music going, do, 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 oh, a little halo yes. above you. And uh, I have I watched an episode, um, and it's not, it's actually, <laughs> it's not as bad as all that. Um, I was, I, my, my intrigue was by the fact that um, a boat in it, it's, it's a story about a bullion hall and there's a boat in the south of France connected to it which ended up being owned in real life this boat by John Goldfinger Palmer the man who smelted the brink that girl Okay <laughs> so, how, do you, how do you track that down from watching an old episode? <laughs> It's like life oh. imitating art. That's the thing that gets me about it. Unexpected connection, yeah. Definitely. Um, I guess I, not only do I remember that series, I remember the original one, because I am considerably older than you, um, which was uh, Roger Moore. And, of course, his car then was a white Volvo Coupe. Yes. Um, yes. Which was – so the, that was very famous, that car at the time, in terms of being the TV programme. So yeah. I know that was a big. It was a big thing about what was the saint going to drive when he came back, and it being a white XGS. I can't remember whether the return of the saint predated or postdated the new Avengers, um, but there was same definitely time. a fashion. Was it the same? So there was obviously a fashion for bringing back uh, old TV action folk uh, who were, had some sort of car related. Well, yeah. those cars and all those things. Oh, that's another um, thing, actually. Another connection here. It's, you know, it's like you know, it's six steps of what's his name, Kevin Bacon, isn't it? It's even smaller when it comes to British TV. So, um, in the episode I watched called uh, "The Saint and the Brave Goose," and the Brave Goose was the actual name of the real yacht, which then uh -huh. ended up. It's in Lanzarote. It's been in Lanzarote for twenty years at anchor because they're trying to decide legally who owns it because this man who was eventually shot in his back garden. Um, had a massive crime empire, and this boat was part of it. But anyway, um, the heroine in the film is driving down to the south of France in a blue TR7, mm. which was um, Doyle's Cordy's first car, car oh. in in the professionals. The same, the same reg number, the same it? car, yeah, same, same reg. Um, yeah. It acquired a vinyl roof in between its appearance in the, um, the Saint and the Professionals, and a sunroof as well. But it's the same car. Same car. Yeah. Brilliant. I, I, I mean, I having been involved in product placement on TV dramas and some movies during my time at, at, at Toyota, um, we were different. We didn't. The traditional practice was you put a certain number of cars with an agency who would then try and place them. 
usually with themselves, so they could run around in them, but that's a different story. But we lucked out, we found an agency who didn't want... We basically did it on a production-by-production production basis, so we would always have the car or van that they want, the production wanted, rather than saying, oh, yeah, you, you want a family saloon, but we've got this sports car that we'd really like to use. Anyway, uh, and that was quite successful, so we put a lot of things in a lot of... Uh, for not very much money. Whether it works or not uh, is a good question. Does anybody notice what the cars are in in TV and movies? Very rarely. So very there rarely. is a really um, catty piece about the professionals from from the period. It was in Autocar. And it was the journalist going, you know, this is just an hour of people abusing Fords. And you know, this is what <laughs> Ford drivers aspire to be. And it was just a rant, basically, about Ford and the fact that he didn't like the professionals. And he thinks okay. that everyone who drove a Ford thought that they were Bodie or Doyle. Well, yeah. Well, that's in which case, whoever signed off the product placement was probably very happy. That was mission accomplished, I would imagine, in that case. Then. Um, the, the, the yellow Rover in the professionals was also in the new Avengers. You go, it was a small world, right enough. Is there probably was a compound somewhere in North London that had all these cars parked up in it for a while? Um, <laughs> they're all now, dis- you know, well, they've all now rusted away, frankly. <laughs> the Apart chassis the numbers and the reg went for a lot of money at auction this year. Did it? Okay. Yeah, the, the silver and the gold Capris from the last series were both, and they've got 140 odd thousand pounds. And they're genuinely the cars. They're not just yeah. chassis plates and range numbers. Huh? Well, Good on. You know, triggers <laughs> Talking of chassis plates and fiddling with parts, very, very, a very forced <laughs> link. Um, I went racing with what might be called professionals at the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, so although it was a fun sort of birthday party thing, so chap's got a great four-lane polycar track in his house, very kindly invited us all round. Normally races at Mosley, um, and a lot of those guys are pretty quick. Um, so, But I joined in, and I was it was two classes. It was sideways GT3. Oops, and you were allowed to... So I'll just hit the microphone. Apologies if that deafened anyone. Um, and you were allowed to do all the tuning they would do. So, of course, they were you know, tyres, and you know, tyres were being trued and rubbed down and stickied with roller tape and uh, I don't know what else. I even saw a first, a first for me was somebody balancing wheels on a little axle which was held by magnetic bearings so it wasn't actually touching anything. And it was just slowly rotating this to see where the heavy spot was. Um, so I was very impressed. I, I did want to film it because I think it's probably YouTube gold, but I, I didn't. Um, anyway, whereas I took mine out of the box. Uh, David, David did try tuning my car a bit. He put new tyres on it and sort of put a few shims under the guide, uh, which meant I came last a little bit quicker than I would have. What, sorry? You were denied a bit of weighing action, a bit of wheel balancing. I didn't. I I was was more interested in the sausage rolls and various bits of cake that were available in between races rather than (laughs) truing my tyres. As I said, it it just meant that, I no doubt it made my car a bit quicker, but it just meant I came last a little bit sooner than I would otherwise. But it was fine. Those guys are I mean, I measured over, I think, uh, well, I wouldn't name names because I'll get the names wrong, but one chat came out, the races were 20 laps long. Mm-hmm. Laps were about six seconds, six and a half seconds a lap. So you, so two minutes a race. So he came off, or he got nudged off, depending how you look, but he came off 
in the first half of the race, and he still came through the field to win. So, um, yeah, impressive. Anyway, the second lot were uh, cars that were supplied by David, which were all Revo slot small saloons, so the Alpha, the Escort, the Opal. I can't remember the other ones. Mental Block. What would be the, so the Escort? Opal, NSU. No. Simca. Uh, BMW. BMW 2002. Okay. Um, and he tuned them that they were within 0.15 a second a lap. So he knew the cars were pretty much equal. And the rule was you had to drive a different make of car in each heat. So you picked the car, then you drove it, and you got through. Uh, and that was interesting. No tyre tune, no rubbing sticky tape on the tyres before the race, no anything, basically. You just put the car on the track and drove. Um and that was that was much more entertaining for me because I was slightly more competitive. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't know if he listens or not, but Chris, I'm really sorry for nerfing you off, and therefore, but it didn't really matter because it was in one of the step up finals. No, it was ah. uh, in, the, in the step up finals. It was the top two went through, uh, and he and I were racing for third place. So the fact that I knocked him off. And came third, didn't make any Not difference at all. In a pointless contest, that's what that's good. Point, well, which was because I didn't intend to knock him off. It was genuinely, <laughs> la- it was genuinely lack of talent rather than deliberate. Uh, but there you go. Uh, but those, those, uh, I know David has spent a long time kind of just making sure the Revo slots were competitive and equal. You know, great little cars. I mean, I've got some Revo slot GTs, but not the, the little saloons. Um, but lovely. Yeah, I've still only got a body condi- because I need to find a plastic chassis that will go under it because it's another rally story. And we've well, enough. But I'll tell you what, okay. so, uh, so we're trying to um, organise a 1990s uh, Le Mans class at the club. Our AGM is coming up. Uh, I should say, sell. are you sitting comfortably, boys and girls? Then let yeah. our tale begin. No, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> this was Graham's idea. Then Graham decided to get ill and and leave us to it. So that means that many, many cooks have been spoiling the broth. So it needs the chairman to come back, which he has, and to be fit and well, which he is. And that means that he can wrestle the hydra <laughs> of what actually constitutes a 1990s <laughs> slot of Le Mans car. Um, because obviously we've got Group C, slot at Group C, goes up to 93. And then it was that odd mishmash of stuff that just turned up at Le Mans each year without a real championship to do it. Or there was the BPR stuff. Um, and there are various slot cars of various different performance levels that cover that whole spectrum, basically up until the hypercars. Because now everyone's making hypercars and there is a class clearly defined in slot racing for the first time in 25 years uh, for Le Mans cars. Um, whereas everything else has always been, oh, uh, I remember the 70s, I'll make some 70s Le Mans cars and slot cars. And everyone goes, oh, I love the 70s and buy them. And then they make Group Cs and everyone goes, oh, I love Group Cs. And they buy them. And then there's just been this sort of gap where nothing happened, tumbleweed, Kramers, Audi turned up because no one else was there and won everything forever. And, um, yeah, it was just, yeez. and now everyone's got excited again. So I'm just spelled... trying to describe, I'm, look, um, I'm looking forward to see how the, how the auto, uh, the auto captioning <laughs> gets on with that. <laughs> <laughs> we are the knights of saying, yeez. Anyway, I think you'd be, I think you'd be a tad simplistic. Cause I remember things like, you know, there was the Porsche LMP2 car. Was that nineties? 
It certainly nods yes, that into the noughties. No, no oh, right, okay. Well, there's a whole load of Fly GT1 cars, surely. But are they, are they, is, this, is this 90s Le Mans, but not including GT? Is that it? So it's got to be a prototype well, of some no, sort. Well, I mean, it, the, 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 uh, it, it all got a bit blurred lines there, didn't it? Because the Porsche 911 GT1 was sort of a... Porsche 956 with a 997 body. The, leaving aside the cheating, which... <laughs> well, I suppose, you know, technically uh, the Toyota GT1 is a road car. You know, technically. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And the Nissan R390 wasn't a Jaguar XJR9 with a slightly different front and rear end on it. But at least they were both kind of... Anyway, anyway. Uh, so yeah, it is a bit of a minefield, but... Um, but can you not just prescribe? Is the challenge trying to do it by date? If you just yeah, say we won't. I said I enjoyed Le Mans in the 1990s. Which, okay, it's his prerogative. Um, and we've got cars in the 50s. We've got 60s Le Mans cars. We've got 70s Le Mans cars. We've got Slotic Group C, and we've got modern Le Mans. And at the moment, modern Le Mans starts in 1995, which is <laughs> very nearly 30 years ago, because there's been that few. Slot cars of Le Mans cars. So, uh, prototype. So, a Kramer K8 is still the benchmark modern Le Mans car at the moment. So, what we want to do is move the Kramer K8s into their own time period mm -hmm. and have modern Le Mans cars in the modern Le Mans section now that hypercars are coming on stream from slot car so Does this mean that everybody's going to have to buy an SRC Toyota then or an SRC Porsche? No, because I bought an SRC Toyota and failed miserably with it. It was just, mm. our circuit is too tight, too bumpy, too twiddly, too everything for a slot car of that sort of pedigree. Um, ideally, it should have four-wheel drive and a good deal of ground clearance. Um, but failing that... <laughs> brings us back to rallying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, like, the slotted Lola that I've got is a 2012 Dr. McDreamy Patrick Dempsey one. Um, and I think the Orica, it goes really well when I'm not crashing it. And, uh, oh, Graham took me off. Graham. Graham's back. <laughs> and I've lost wind mirrors as a result. Urgh. Um, but <laughs> I'm not bitter. Uh, <laughs> the Orica LMP2 is now out. And I think that's quite a little. Okay. Piece of yes, work. I can see that being. No surprise. Um, from the slot it. Well, if I can segue from that, if you do, if you, I noticed uh, oh, before we start. Sorry, can I go and get the doorbell? You, yes, you can go get the doorbell. <laughs> There'll be a short interlude of light music. Uh, please feel free to go and get snacks, uh, make yourself a drink. Well, Nick is off getting the doorbell. I may edit this out. Then again, I might not. I could just stick it on the end, sort of blooper reel. I wonder if he's getting a slot car. Probably not. Anyway, we'll find out when he comes back. Has everybody got the Christmas shopping done? That's great. Have you have you decided which slot cars you want? Which slot cars you can get? Do people know which ones you've already got? Everybody tells me I'm very difficult to buy for. And I say, no, I'm really easy to buy for. Just get me a slot car. And usually they say, I don't know which ones you've got. Well, that was upsetting. Oh. There was I thinking it might be my item from Spain, which, um, that's a story in itself, um, or my uh, box of stuff from Sky Electric. But no, it was another soft dress-shaped package for my wife. 
You know, um, I was uh, I was waffling on, which may or may not remain in the tape, or uh, maybe it's because <laughs> I was sort of hoping you were going to walk back in the room and go, "Ta-da! A new slot yeah. car has arrived." I was so, hoping uh, that too because I I yeah. bought my Black Friday yeah Black Friday sale on Todo Collection in Spain. I got the Danny Sordo SCX Sunday. Um and I've been getting loads of updates from the Royal Mail about it. And it's like, oh, it'll be delivered on Saturday between 11 and 3. And then on Saturday <laughs> morning, I got a note from the Royal Mail going, we're really sorry, it's been sent to Truro. <laughs> After <Hey>! Christmas. <laughs> There's a young boy currently in a boat with slippers with your slot car. <laughs> well, for anybody who's for anybody so, who's not watched, uh, Arthur, I say it's not Truro, is it? It's Trelawley, Trel, Trel, something or other. Not Truro, well, anyway. In the past few weeks, I've ordered decals from Spain, which have just completely gone AWOL. Um, a pair of res- uh, 3D bodies, which got opened, sent back saying that there was a problem with my address, and now something's been sent to Truro. And of course, the stock answer is, "Oh, well, that's Brexit for you, isn't it?" But no, it's somebody not doing their jobs. It's got here. It's gone to Truro. <laughs> it's like Brexit's become like Inshallah in in the Middle East. It's like you know, I'll do my job if God wills it, and if I don't do the job, well, clearly God didn't will it today, did he? And it's like that no, Brexit. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. An, it should be an inadmissible excuse. That's definitely true. Definitely true. Um. What I was about to move on to talk about uh, was that I discovered on Slot Car Passion um, they are listing uh, a page for the election of the most beautiful slot car of the year. Mm. So not best, but most beautiful. That's a very um, European which... thing though, isn't it? I remember the MGZT was voted the most beautiful car. Well, it's, I, think it's, I think it's more honest because we say best, then you know, you're into kind of subjective judgments anyway. But beautiful, you can't really. That's just. I think that's beautiful. You think something else is beautiful, but so the controversy starts though because they've handily compiled a 24 car shortlist. If 24 can be short, um, and uh, I'll try and find a way of sharing it. But I mean, just for you know, it's sort of Carrera BMW M1, Carrera Ford GT, the FV slot Toyota Seven. Which is, you know, left field, uh, a Le Mans miniatures Porsche, the MR slot car Shadow, not surprised there. There's a few NSRs. Um, I think they're excluded from being beautiful because they're all inaccurate, but that's a different story. Um, and they're not beautiful, then. Well, Sigh of the Beholder. Uh, Polycar Marlboro BMW, not BMW, sorry, BRM. Um, Polycar Ferrari, Polycar Ferrari P4 or 412p if you want to be pedantic about it a few revo slots scale autos interesting uh, the home team uh Skeletric, hornby uh the james bond goldfinger aston martin and the white lamborghini countach not not a car with a livery on it now that surprises me but there you go i would have thought the the repsol escort uh wrc would have made it in there uh, and then there's a few sideways and slotted to to round out the list uh and you know they you mentioned the Orica LMP2 car. It's in there. Um, 
and the Ferrari 512M in the Sunoco livery, which I would suggest is a pre-match favourite, the Sunoco Ferrari. However, um, it's a nice thing. Go along and you vote by email and uh, we'll see what they're going to do. Got till the 31st of December. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. It's quite an, I say, most beautiful, not best, but most beautiful. So I think it's an interesting distinction. Um, some really odd choices. Scared extras. Got the rough end of the draw there, hasn't it? With those wings. <laughs> okay, the Countach is a nice Countach. Five, a really old mole, not perhaps a great. Uh, as I say, the short lists are always contentious, isn't it? But there you go. Yeah, so, yeah. But it has it has hardened my resolve that we, you and I. <laughs> You were being roped into this, <laughs> were you? <laughs> I think I think the nautical term is press ganged. Uh, are going to try and do uh, what I'd like to describe as a Eurovision of slot cars. So uh, the the plan, and if I put it in the program, then I probably have to do it, don't I? Yeah, you which do. is I'm going to I'm going to ask a number of people to give the uh, top five, top six, whatever, a relatively small of cars for the year and they don't have to justify it they can just pick whatever they want and we'll award points you know in descending order Is and then we'll add them all up no, no 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 not yet no no that's too advanced <laughs> I, don't, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't got that much time <laughs> we'll have a, we'll, we'll ask a number of people what they think thing in lockdown when one of the rally social media pages sort of did a list of all the world rally cars as it was coming to the end of the WRC car era, and it asked for everyone to vote for their favourite, and a sort of a viral thing happened, and the Skoda Octavia WRC was voted as the greatest of all WRC cars. So, yeah, we should maybe throw yeah. a random one in there. Public votes. Well, as this is true in Eurovision, I suppose, um, and again, for uh, for Canadian, American, well, the Australians like yeah, Eurovision, they don't know. This is a, a, a long, 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 I mean, must be 50, 60 years going European wide, slightly wider because Australia take part. And Israel. Um, te- and Israel. Uh, yeah, the definition of Europe is very, very loose. And, uh, <laughs> but it's a song competition, and people have got three minutes, and each country sends a representative and they sing their song for three minutes, and then they have voting on which one uh, is the best. And at the end, uh, it gets them to have a judge's vote. Um, which tends to be reasonably sensible. There's usually some partisan voting. You know, you can see which countries really don't like each other. Uh, and then they open it to a public vote, which completely transforms it. So, you know, things like the, the heavy metal band dressed as orcs, uh, who've scored <laughs> no points at all uh, from the judges, end up winning uh, just to a bad. So we won't, we won't do a public vote. We'll just, we'll just do one. But anyway, that's, I'm going to try and pull that together. Uh, so we can have a Eurovision. But the real joy of it, of course, and one of the traditions of Eurovision is that the the, the hosts go to the different countries and say, can we have the votes from the Belgian jury or from the Dutch jury? And then someone tries to be charming in 90 seconds and sell <laughs> their country as well as delivering the votes. And I think as an opportunity for you to, to display your wide range of foreign accents. <laughs> <laughs> This It'll is just a gift. Be me popping up just, with a different just flag. Just you going, and here's, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could choose to wear different glittery gowns if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you have to, but there you go. So that's something to look forward to if I can get myself organised to do that. Which I no reason why not because I'm not exactly busy otherwise. 
Anything else we should talk about this week before we go off and conquer the world? I'll take that as a no. <laughs> We're good. Good. Right. In which case, then, we'll do that very clumsy and not terribly scripted. Say thank you for listening. We'll see you again soon with the Univision of Slot Cars. So a script have a good... and a clue and maybe a box that's arrived from Spain. Ah, there will be a box from Spain. There'll definitely. You should have. We should have a live tracker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a big map behind you. Where is the where is the box this week? <laughs> Dicks. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.